Do schools open back up or does everything go virtual? Which one do you think? It's a gut question. I'm not saying you're speaking for directional, just you sure. from the craziness you've seen, the ups and downs. What would you say we're in land at? I think my gut tells me that we end up in a continued virtual environment. Hey everybody, welcome to the den today. After Philadelphia's announcement of public schools putting things on hold for another week to figure things out last week, we asked him to come onto the den and give us his thoughts and his perspective and where it's going and what's gonna happen in the fall. And you are gonna to wanna to hear this, what he thinks is gonna happen in fall with education. Thanks, Tim, for being on the show. Absolutely, uh, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So let's jump into it. You're one of the first colleges here in Philadelphia, just as of this week, to approve reopening back up inviting students back. I know you have some challenges with bringing international students back. Um, actually, you have some challenges, I'm assuming, for states that make you quarantine that they're coming from. You have a very diverse population at Drexel. I mean, it's changing so fast. Talk about where we're at today. Obviously, Philadelphia, you heard what just happened there last week. They put everything on hold as a Thursday. Uh, it's crazy times. Yeah, so as you mentioned, all higher education institutions were required to submit a reopening plan for the fall to the city, and we're proud that we were the first ones and the only ones thus far to have an approval based on the plans that we are calling kind of a hybrid model for course delivery. So students will be able to return to campus. They will be able to live in uh, dorms as they have in the past or on-campus housing. We've adjusted our living capacities and so students will live in single-style dormitories to kind of remain socially distant. No roommates? No roommates where it can actually be done. My so God! You'll have uh, several single options for students. I know it's not the ideal college experience, especially for our incoming freshman class, but they'll still have the opportunity to interact with each other in a kind of safe environment within the space. And as we look for the fall term, certainly everything is subject to change right now. I think that's a bit of a caveat for everybody. <laughs> um, we rely on the city and the state to be certain that we're in compliance with what we're doing as an institution. Uh, you briefly mentioned about students coming in from some of the other states across the country. Drexel actually has students from 48 states and certainly internationally. And so there's some challenges that come along with students coming from states that are currently on the quarantine list for the state of Pennsylvania. And we'll have to figure out ways and we'll continue to communicate with students whether they kind of self-quarantine from home before they come to Drexel or if they're allowed on campus a little bit sooner to kind of quarantine on their own before they start to interact with other students on campus. I mean, this is going to impact Drexel financially. It has to. I mean... People are going to pull out of school. People are going to say, I want to go full remote. Um, I'm assuming some people will probably come back and live there on campus and still do remote. I don't know. I mean, what, what, what's your gut telling you? What, what, are you, what are you feeling? Yeah, so the biggest thing that we've been focused on is to make sure that every single student has options for the way that they're feeling. So if I'm a student and I prefer remote classes, we have opportunities for students to get a full schedule remote. If we have students who are interested in a combination of face-to-face -face courses and remote options, we have a slew of courses that they can operate against and operate on. There is some challenges with our international students being able to enter the United States, but certainly we're looking at continuing to deliver remote options for them uh, while they're abroad and then have them join us in the winter. 
yes, students will make some difficult decisions. Students may sit out a term. They might sit out the fall term and join us in the winter. We've developed a winter entry and a spring entry program for those students, which we've never done before. And so we've pivoted a little bit of our model. We've changed a bit of our model to kind of help meet the needs of our student population. You know, the financial ramifications of kind of the pandemic and everything that's been going on, we've done the best to prepare ourselves for um, a drop in revenue, a drop in kind of all the things that are associated on a college campus, um, you know, dining and meals and things that are associated with how our students interact. And so we've got a good plan in place now. We won't know the full brunt of it until our actual fall term starts but we do have significant plans in place to deal with both kind of student interactions while on campus and perhaps the uh, financial ramifications that might come along with the situation that we're in. I guess let's jump into it. I guess over the last week, you're seeing more people opt out of coming back to school, going online, especially with now teachers not wanting to go back to school. I mean, it just seems like we went from going here to here real fast over the last week. And it seems like the teachers unions are the ones heading it. I mean, let's, call it but we're going to talk about that do you see people um more kids saying you know what i'm going to do remote now right now in the last week i think that yeah i'd I'd say that the the recent spike there's been some rise obviously in our cases as we kind of get through the end of july here um students are really making difficult decisions and certainly they're influenced potentially by parents and their level of comfort of having their their student away from them um i think that if we can do a better job kind of as a local region and perhaps rein in some of the numbers that have continued to increase, we'll we'll probably um, help delay a little bit of that. But we have seen a slight increase in students thinking about either delaying coming to campus or delaying their enrollment for another year. You know, we've done surveys of students throughout our spring term and we'll continue to do that for students and faculty. And there is some level of discomfort for our faculty. I will, you know, try and sugarcoat that. they feel like there is um, a need to protect themselves and rightfully so. Um, They certainly can't continue to do their jobs if they get sick and so we need to figure out ways to help protect our faculty members who are teaching students face to face and we have significant protocols in place um, restricting classroom space, making sure that classes of 30 or more are actually delivered remotely or delivered online. Uh, looking at ways to kind of build barriers between students and faculty, although somewhat uncomfortable, having some form of face shield or plexiglass between students and faculty has helped kind of ease some of those concerns. Even going to a mixed model where if I might take a course and I might do some of it uh, face-to-face and some of it remotely, we might have class sessions that we would meet face-to-face and then next week we might meet remotely. And so we're coming up with different options that helps support faculty who may have some of those concerns. Let's talk about your faculty. Are you guys giving them an option not to come back or are you pretty much saying, hey, we're business here? Because unlike uh, public high school where teachers have a lot of power, they're one of the biggest unions in the state, most people don't know how political this whole thing is and I have no problem saying it's actually gotten to the point of being disgusting at this point. Or is Drexel saying to the professors, you have an option to come back or is it we're coming back and we're teaching? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, our plans and what we hear from our university president, John Fry, have really centered around making people feel comfortable and safe. And so all of our decisions are being made around kind of public health and safety. 
And so there hasn't been a significant mandate where you must come back to work. I, as a professional staff member and a college leader, am not being urged to come on campus if I don't feel comfortable. I am not doing that with my staff. I'm not doing that with my faculty. So I don't feel like there is a strong sense of you must be here. There are certain faculty members who have raised their hands and said, I have no issues being there. Those are the ones that are going to teach face-to-face -face in the fall. We have other faculty members who are telling us they're not comfortable being on campus. They're not comfortable being in a close proximity space with regard to uh, teaching our students. We're moving them to remote sections or having them teach online sections as well. So although there's still sense of uneasiness associated with faculty returning to campus, there hasn't been a mandate that is requiring anyone across the university to be on campus to support our students. We're trying to work with the flexibility of the way that people feel in coming back to campus. You know, Tim, let's talk about this. <clears throat> the faculty, and, and listen, I'm one all for safety, right? But I think your school district, where you, you have a young son, correct? I do. And I think your school system was actually, he doesn't go to Philadelphia, correct? He goes to... No, we live in uh, southern New Jersey. Uh, southern New Jersey released their plans, or actually our school district released their plans, preliminary plans, just the other day, and we're approaching it from a hybrid model where students would go two days a week and then three days virtual. A subset of the group would go the other opposite two days of the week and three days virtual. So, so. Council Rock just did the same thing. I saw that. Some other schools are doing the same exact thing. They're pushing school back a month, going virtual. I mean, and this is where they released the teachers saying they want to go virtual. And it came out in between 55 and 60% saying they want to go virtual. The parents were on the other side saying we want our students to go in there, right? And the teachers are saying it's for their health. My question to you, Tim, and I'm a straight up guy and I appreciate you being here, and this is gonna be the toughest question today. Do you believe all these teachers and professors weren't down the shore this year on the beach? They didn't go to family picnics. They didn't go out and socialize with people. Um, I don't believe that. I just don't. I'm asking your honest opinion. I mean, if you showed me those people, they should be paid and it should be virtual. But the people that were down the beach, the people that went and socialized and had a great summer, why aren't they back in the classroom? Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, a, it's an excellent point, right? So from my perspective, do I think that some people stretch the boundaries of what quarantine was for, you know, 60 or 90 days? Clearly, there's been some of that with respect to our faculty members and the way that we've kind of guided them through this process, I can't say for certain, but I think that those who have done an excellent job in kind of staying the course and remaining socially distant, um, those are the ones who feel a little bit more comfortable with the situation. I think those who have interacted with others, those who have maybe perhaps stretched the rules of quarantine, those are possibly the ones who feel like um, they've seen it, they've had others impacted, and perhaps feel like virtual is still the best option. I can tell you that I have coworkers, both professional staff, faculty, people who report to me on a daily basis that haven't left their house in over 90 days, and they don't feel comfortable returning to campus in the fall. I have others who maybe have stretched it a little bit and still don't feel comfortable. So I think there's a really wide array of students and teachers who feel differently about this. I would say that, you know, from my perspective, I feel comfortable and confident being on campus on a regular basis but I think we still need to remain kind of in the protocols of both the university and what the city of Philadelphia oh, is requiring us to do. I'm all for protocols, and I'm with the teachers that stayed in and quarantined for 60, 90, 120 days, absolutely virtual, but the ones that you said, hey, kind of stretched it, I mean, someone like me, I better feel very comfortable walking back into a campus and teaching because I'm not afraid, like, I've been out, I've done things, I almost 
would you feel it's almost like hypocritical? Hey, I'm down the shore, I'm on the beach, I'm hanging out, I'm doing all these things, and then by feeling comfortable in a classroom, is there a difference? You know, again, it's it's hard for me to say for certain. You know, we're dealing with a different type of student at Drexel University and a different type of faculty member versus a teacher. But if I look at it from from Tim's perspective, uh, I have a young son, again scheduled to go back to school in the fall. I do believe that um, certain pockets and certain populations perhaps are voting on a we we need to keep it virtual because of the fact that it's just um, perhaps easier for them. It's it's less stressful and not as difficult to remain in a virtual environment from a safety standpoint. You know, I think about, you know, going to school and visiting my son's classes and think about the types of settings that kids and teachers are placed in. Um, you know, tiny little desks right next to each other. It's kind of difficult for certain teachers at certain levels to really remain away from their students throughout the entire day. Um, I also think that some of our school districts, not even just here in the Philadelphia area, but across the country are just oversaturated with students. You couldn't get six feet apart from any of them and so I think the protocols and what was started or what started in March and what kind of tapered off in really April and May has kind of picked back up and so people are making decisions based on the current trends basically on a day-to-day basis you know I think our decision making as an institution my decision making as an individual changes almost on a regular basis and so if you took a vote last week and you took a vote this week and you took a vote next week I think you'd get some large percentage differences based on how people are feeling about it based on what they're hearing on the news and what we're seeing in the trends. Would you be afraid to send your son to school? I would not. Um, so right now, based on the plans that we have um, kind of as a family, I've actually spent time discussing it with my wife this morning. I talked to my son yesterday about our current plans. He would go to school two days per week in a socially distanced environment, and then he would um, remain virtual three more days of that given week. Do you think your son's seven, my son will be seven, so our sons are on the same age. Yeah. Um, do you think your son can truly learn virtually? Like, do, do, do I mean, I'm just kind of curious to your thoughts. I mean, you're an educator, I'm not. Yeah, I think that um, we figured out a way to make it work through the back half of the spring. Um, I'd say that my son personally was uh, rather successful in being able to accomplish all of his work. I don't think it really bothered him. Luckily, we were fortunate in the timing of when it occurred. Students had been learning in a certain way for the entire year. I think starting a new year may be a struggle. I also think that the biggest thing that a seventh grader, now soon to be 13 year old, my son, is dealing with is some of the social skills that you lose at that young age. And so having the opportunity to still interact with other people, I think is going to be key for him. The work I'm not uh, overly worried about from my perspective. He's a smart kid, gets good grades. He doesn't fight us on the work. He doesn't fight us on sitting down and actually accomplishing the things that he needs to do. Um, So I do think that certain pockets and populations of kids can learn virtually, but I do think that some will truly struggle in this environment. We, we talked about this before I've gotten to know you is we both know college and high school, even elementary school, schooling itself, and I've said this to you, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but it taught me how to socialize and communicate well. Do you think putting children in a virtual environment is going to increase mental illness, making kids more socially awkward? I mean, I, I mean, you're an educator, you know a lot more of the words than I do, but I just don't see, my, my sons are social, they want to be with their cousins, they want to be with their friends. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, again, I'm, I'm certainly not an expert either in this area, but I do think that lack of social interaction has been proven to create opportunities and, and, and options for kids where they, they may not um, do as well as they could had they been interacting face-to-face in that environment. And so I guess it's just weighing the pros and cons of the situation, you know, as a does having a kid next to another kid mean that they could potentially contract the, the disease? Certainly that's an option. Certainly that's a possibility, right? But I do think that there needs to be some level of interaction for students across all ages in the K-12 through space and certainly in a higher education space. Not because I think they need to learn better that way, but they need to learn problem solving and social skills. And those are the types of things that we're looking for our son and certainly our students at Drexel University to learn. Like You need to learn to deal with the situation that's in front of you. And doing that in a socially distanced environment or a virtual environment is rather difficult. Do you think all these different rules and regulations, like, do you think they're consistent? Because I'm just asking honestly, now they even ask you to speak on Drexel University, I'm just asking you, as a father, as someone who's a, you're a bright guy, do you think they're consistent? Do some of them seem kind of choppy? Like, I gotta have a meal with my beer, or like, do you know what I mean? Or just so it just seems very kind of like you said, every day it's changing, which I understand it's a serious issue, but some of it just doesn't seem consistent, no? Yeah, I would agree. I'd say if I look at just kind of a national landscape and then move it down to kind of the Pennsylvania, New Jersey area, and then locally, um, you know, even store to store has different types of uh, rules and regulations and things that you do. You can you can go into your grocery store. They're not checking your temperature. They're just making sure that you're wearing a mask here locally. But you go and get a haircut. It's, you know, a questionnaire and temperature check and different types of things that you'll have to go through to prove that maybe you have By the way, your hair looks good. Virus. Oh, thanks. You're still. <laughs> um, but ultimately, I, I, I think that there needs to be more consistency, not just here locally, but uh, across the nation. Um, and, and I think that really starts at the top. And so leaders across any industry, leaders across any institution, leaders across any type of business that you're looking at really set the tone for how the rest of the organization operates. And I do think we could use a little bit more support in that area. Uh, I agree with you on that 150% from both sides, not one side or the other, both sides. Let's talk about the sports at Drexel. I'm assuming, I don't, we haven't discussed it yet, I'm assuming everything's canceled or on hold or how, how are you guys addressing your sports? you got a women's basketball team that I think would, I mean, one of the best teams in the country, correct, still? Yeah, so, you know, uh, sports got uh, removed from our schedule at the end of the spring and uh, were discontinued through the summer. We recently made an announcement that Drexel University will not participate in any competitive and non-competitive sports for our fall season. Um, so student athletes or athletes in general will come back to campus, will remain active from a practice standpoint, but they will not compete against other colleges within our conference. We're still making determinations on, as you mentioned, the women's and men's basketball teams. They typically start a little bit later than September. And then we'll look at winter and spring sports, perhaps being able to repeat our fall schedule in the spring. It's not uncommon. I'd say the majority of the mid to small size institutions who do compete in Division One, Two, II, and Three athletics have decided to do something similar. Um, really, the only ones that remain are some of the large powerhouse schools that play in uh, very competitive conferences from a football standpoint. And so you look at the way that some of these institutions are approaching it. They're putting different types of protocols in place 
and making sure that their athletes are tested on a regular basis. From a Drexel University standpoint, we've just made the decision and believe it's the safest opportunity for our athletes to remain out of a competitive space for the short term, and we'll continue to make decisions for the, uh, the winter and spring, as I mentioned. So you have all this going on right now down at Drexel. Do you feel like it's just a roller coaster? What's your day like? I mean, your day as an educator, I mean, I couldn't imagine what it must be like hey we're doing this today and then tomorrow you're like well, how did it all change yep yeah so i would agree i mean you're 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 pivoting almost on a regular basis i think being nimble being agile are terms that we talk about um, i hear from our university president and our executive leadership at least once a week if not more i speak to my team every monday morning and we talk about the things that we are planning for but we always add in thoughts and ideas around these are all subject to change so as an institution drexel university can put together the best plan that we have available to keep our students faculty and staff safe but ultimately there are state regulators and state agencies that make some of these decisions for us so we've done our best to create plans and options to have a safe return to campus, but we have had to make changes in some of the decisions that we've made, even on a regular basis. I think every institution has had to go through that. Every business has had to go through that. And I think it's kind of a true hallmark of what people can focus on going forward is being nimble, being agile, making sure that they can take a look at their business model and say, hey, you know, this is what we were doing yesterday, but I think we need to pivot a little bit. Here's the reasons why. Here's something else that we can get involved in. Here's how we can support our staff. Here's how we can support our customers. And ultimately, that is what the world has been, and that's what the world has been calling for. I think this pandemic has just accelerated the pace in which we need to approach this from a, a business perspective. I guess, you know, we're about 30 days for schools to open now. You're about 45 days for kids to come back on campus. I mean, it's just point blank. Just It's a yes or no question. Do schools open back up or does everything go virtual? Which one do you think? It's a gut question. I'm not saying you're speaking for Drexel, just you, sure. from the craziness you've seen, the ups and downs, what would you say we're in land at? I think my gut tells me that we end up in a continued virtual environment. I think there will be certain pockets and certain groups that may return to a K through 12 space. There might be certain types of students who return through a K through K through 12 space, but I do believe the majority of where we're headed, if the trends continue, is kind of a virtual education model for the short term. My hope is that we see some of these trends continue um, or some of these trends decline so we don't have to end up in that spot but putting plans in place for both is really what's wise at this point. Well Tim thanks for being on the show. Till Gail Rain from Drexel University you heard it from him. To the parents out there that are struggling on what's going on um, I do believe this is in Tim's view. I do believe part of this is political I believe with both sides, we're going to come to the table, do the right things for the kids, don't hold parents hostage, and make sure our kids get into the best place at a college level, high school, elementary, junior high, and if we can open up schools, get them back in there, and if we can't, it's just truly that bad, don't put anyone at risk, but do the right things and stop playing the political games on both sides. Thank you, everybody. Enjoy yourselves. Tim, thank you so much for being on the den. I appreciate it. Thanks, Lance. What I can share with parents who are dealing with whether to send their, their kids back to school, whether it's in a, a K-12 space or a higher education institution, is to weigh the values that you see. Every student is different. 
every student has an opportunity to learn differently and if you feel like you've got options for your students you need to be considering all of those options for parents who feel slightly uncomfortable they need to stand up and ask some questions i think that most institutions certainly across all of education have been willing to listen to concerns of parents and students and perhaps building plans off of that. I know we've done that at Drexel University is kind of take in information from our local communities to determine what is best. But I think that if you're not part of the potential solution, then you don't really have an opportunity to make decisions for your student. You need to get involved, you need to stay involved and understand that there are safe ways for students to learn in the environment where we're headed. We just have to be smart about it and we have to help educate each other.